Hey everyone, welcome to Together Church's online campus experience. I'm Pastor Steve, and I am so excited that you're here with us. Hey, if this is your first time, do me a favor, go to mytogetherchurch.com and uh, let us know where you're watching from. If you want to pay your tithes and offerings, you want to support what we're doing here at Together Church, you can do that there as well. Also, uh, help us out by sharing this wherever you're consuming this content. Uh, share it with someone who needs to be encouraged. And uh, message us. Let us know what we can pray with you about. Let us know what we can celebrate with you about. Help us to better communicate with you as you're a part of our online campus experience. Hey, so we've been in the book of Acts for several weeks now. And last week we started a series called This Jesus. So we're going to go through the five, six times in the first six chapters of the book of Acts where we see this phrase, this Jesus. Now we can look and it's interesting that it's just in the first part of the book here. And that's because this Jesus was the cornerstone of the early church being built. And this Jesus is the cornerstone to our lives. I want to say that again. This Jesus was the cornerstone of the early church being built, and this Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. So we're talking today about the first Easter message ever preached. This is the first time that anyone has spoke, preached, declared about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and this happens on the day of Pentecost. Last week, we uh, referred back to the first time we read this Jesus in Acts chapter 1 when the angels came to his disciples and said, Hey, listen, why are you standing here gazing into the heavens? The same Jesus who is going up and being taken from you is going to be coming back in the same manner. And we could be excited about that. We could be excited that Jesus Christ will be coming back to earth the exact way that he went up. And we could be excited about that because of who Jesus was, who he's proven himself to be to us. We could be excited about him coming back because of who he is in our lives right now, where he is at, that he is at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for you and he's interceding for me and he is preparing a place for believers to come and to dwell forever. And we could be excited about this because he is coming back to earth and he's going to be bringing back a new heaven and a new earth to populate and to set all things in order here on earth. This Jesus, week two, and it's in Acts chapter two, verses 22 through 24. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. What an incredible group of scriptures. And I'm excited that you and me are about to unpack these scriptures. 
there's three things that we can look at and read into these scriptures. The first thing is, there's a plan. The second thing is, something is broken. And the third thing here is, there is a champion. Are you taking notes? I hope you're taking notes. This is good stuff. This is really good stuff, and I, I, I encourage you to take notes, uh, follow along, and this is going to really bless your life. And I want to encourage you to share this message after we're done. Send it to someone and say, hey, listen, this is going to bless your life, and I hope you watch it. Okay, so number one, I said there's a plan, but I'm going to say it this way now. God always has a plan. So number one, write this down. God always has a plan. The scripture says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan of God. Can you imagine just what happened when they were at the foot of the cross? Jesus was hanging there. Now, everything that, that, that the disciples have been through with him, and they're sitting there looking and they're wondering the same things that many people think when something bad happens. How could God let this happen? Because God had a plan. Where did that plan start? plan started in Genesis chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife, wife garments of skins and clothed them. So from the very beginning, we see that, that sin entered into this world. From the beginning, hey, listen... Uh, it didn't take us long to mess this all up, did it? And if it wouldn't have been Adam and Eve, I know for a fact it would have been me, right? Right, it would have been you. Like somewhere along the way, people could have lived perfect lives and then I show up and I'm going to ruin everything. Y'all know what I'm saying? But it didn't take us very long to mess everything up. Sin entered into the world. And what happens? God, God had to sacrifice an animal to cover our nakedness. So the first sacrifice we see for the covering of our sin is by God. God did, God did the first sacrifice to cover our sins. And we see in, in, in the scriptures, we see that, that God requires sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. No longer is he the one doing the sacrifices, but he's calling his people to make sacrifices. And, and, and I'm not going to get into all different sacrifices. You could study that, read through Leviticus, see what God required for the different sin types, the different things that would happen. Uh, he has this whole thing laid out, and, and you could study that in Leviticus, right? But God always had a plan for us to see forgiveness of our sin. And this plan was leading up to God's ultimate plan where he would offer up a sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. And that's through himself, Jesus, through his son, to offer himself up for the ultimate sin forgiveness that you and I need. Where can we see this beautifully written out in scriptures? Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. 
He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that has led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence. And there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of God to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of anguish of soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted Righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide a portion with with the many, and and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. What an incredible plan! He uh, here was the plan. A plan for Jesus to come and to die and to break the bondage and grip of death. Let's say it again. Here was the plan. A plan for Jesus to come and to die and to break the bondage and to break the grip of death. This was God's plan for man. But the, but the plan had to be carried out by humans. Now, this is interesting because we look at this and we see that the, the religious leaders and the Gentiles are the ones who carried out God's plan to kill Jesus. And sometimes we could look and say, well, well, the men are innocent because they were just doing what they were supposed to do and, and, and know that that's not really how it works. Yes, God was in 100% control, but the men here were 100% wicked. And Peter is saying, yes, this is God's plan, but it was carried out by you. God works his plans through human actions, and God is in the mix. Let's go back uh, to people that, that, that were around the cross, right? I made mention of everyone who was at the cross and were watching Jesus be crucified. And, and can you imagine following Jesus for three and a half years, knowing that Jesus is a great person, knowing Jesus was performing miracles and he was forgiving people that no one else wanted to forgive. He was saving lives of those that people wanted to stone. He, he was there to help people with miracles and he was there to, to, to bring 
hope where there was no hope. And now he's being crucified like a criminal. And in this moment, they're looking up and they're, they're, they're wondering, he was supposed to bring us a new heaven and a new earth. He's supposed to bring a new kingdom here on this earth. And yet he is crucified like a criminal. How could God do this? Either God is napping or God doesn't care. Why would God let this happen? Because God was in the mix working out his plan and bringing resurrection out of death. This is incredible. This is incredible. I want you to write this down. I want you to highlight it. I want you to put it somewhere where you can look at it when, when you need some encouragement. We, as sheep, right, we have to understand that there's a plan and we can't see it. But, but we have a shepherd that has a plan. And there's a plan even when I don't see it and I don't know what it is. Can I say that again? Today, as sheep, we may not see that there is a plan, but we have a shepherd who has a plan. There's a plan even when I don't see it. And there's a plan even if I don't know what it is. This is good. The cross and the resurrection tells us this. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, whether we know the plan, see the plan, understand the plan, or believe in the plan, God has a plan. And he is working all things, all things out for your good and for his glory. So we, we have times of frustration where we wonder, where is God? Is God napping? Has he left me? Has he forsaken me? But I want you to know that you don't have to know the plan. You just have to know that God has it. And he's working the best things for your life in the darkest, deepest moments of your life when you seem like there's not a plan. God is in the business of bringing resurrection out of death. Come on, someone, I told you it was going to be good today. God has a plan for you. Understand that. That was point one. God has a plan. The second thing I want you to understand today is there is a broken power. There's a broken power. 24, verse 24, it said, God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible to be held by it, for him to be held by it. What this is literally saying is that Jesus broke the strong grip of death. Death has no more right over any of us. This is the, what does that mean? Well, let's imagine that you have been sentenced, uh, you did something wrong. You got sentenced to three years in prison. And with that, uh, for those three years, all of your rights are owned by the prison. Now you do what they tell you to do, when they tell you to do it, and then at the three-year mark, when you served all of your time and you repaid that debt, then that prison had no more right over you, no more control on you, that you are free from their grip. And when Jesus rose from the dead, that was God's way of saying, not only has Jesus paid the debt, but the debt is paid for everyone 
and no longer having a hold on any of us. I want you to know today, because death is probably the second most feared thing in the world, one being public speaking, which doesn't make sense because that's the only one really on the list that won't hurt you, kill you, or dismember you. But yet, fear of public speaking is number one, followed by death. All right. So, so, so everyone, or, or, or almost everyone, has a fear of death. And it holds us, and it controls us. It dictates what we do with our lives, right? And it has a hold. And for you and I, and for and if you're watching and you, you don't understand anything about the Christian faith, there is not only a physical death, but there's also a spiritual death, an eternal death that happens after we die, if we don't know Jesus. So we have people who are held on both ends of this, that I don't want to die physically, and I also don't want to die spiritually and end up in a place of torment for all my life. And we live according to that fear. But Jesus is saying, I've paid the price. I've done the work. And death has no hold on you any longer. All right. And he's broken the fear of death. Not only does it not have power over us, but Jesus also broke the fear of death from us. The fear of death and becoming nothingness is reality to every culture. Everyone, every religion, everything has this way of facing death. Ideas of what happens, ideas of where we go, what happens. But there's only one that deals with that fear and breaking that fear that we no longer have to fear death. Because Jesus has conquered that death. Uh, but for believers who has whose debt has been paid and the hold of death is broken, uh, George Herbert, uh, 17th century poet, says, death used to be an executioner, but because of Jesus Christ, the gospel has made him just a gardener. I'm going to read that quote again. George Herbert said, death used to be an executioner, but because of Jesus Christ, the gospel has made death, has made him just a gardener. Oh man, this is cool. This is cool. Because we have this idea, if you're not a believer, uh, or, or if you're a, you know about Jesus, but you don't, you're sitting here, you say, I know I'm not living the best life that I could be living. Uh, we fear spiritual death. We fear eternal death. So this idea of executioner and gardener, this means before Christ, I would believe I would just be nothing when I died. Or for the religious who knows they haven't lived a good life, we fear the afterlife without Christ. So uh, we fear, uh, they, they would fear natural death and eternal life, like, like I said earlier. But if we believe in the death the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we could put hope in that death no longer has to be an executioner, but now it's a gardener who now plants us to become something beautiful. We will become something better. Okay, I, I have a wonderful way of kind of uh, painting this picture. 
Um, you know, the idea of being planted in the ground, right? When we're dead, we're put in the ground, but we become something beautiful, something better. Tony Evans' son, Jonathan Evans, uh, was struggling to kind of come up with something to say at his mother's funeral, and he was praying and trying to plan through it, and, and he felt like God spoke into his heart. So this is what the Lord spoke to, to Jonathan Evans here. Because victory has already given to your mom, you don't understand because of the victory that I have given you. There's always only two answers to your prayers. This is, I want y'all to catch this. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Either she was going to be well taken care of or she was going to be well taken care of. Victory belongs to me because what I have already done. For me to stay in this earth is wonderful. It's for Christ. For me to die is gain. That's what they said in the Bible. And, and, and this is so neat because whether I'm here on earth, I'm blessed. But, but, but if I get to go to heaven, I'm even more blessed. He said either she could have been healed on this side of eternity or she's going to be healed on that side of eternity. And that's what Jesus has done when he has broken the fear of death. We no longer have to fear death because we are going to go somewhere much better, much more glorious, and much more wonderful than this earth. That, that I can actually look forward to death because I know what my reward is. And my re reward is not in what I have done good. My reward is in what Jesus has done in breaking the power of death, hell, and the grave over you and over I. And we can celebrate that. And that is it, the quote that I read. And I want you to go back and watch it later. Write it down because it's the perfect picture of how the fear of death has been destroyed for you and I. Now, how was this destroyed? It's point number three. We have a champion. Jesus went into death and destroyed the ability of death ruling over us. Hebrews chapter two says it wonderfully in verse 10. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those, and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to be called them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those through the fear of death, uh, those who were subjected to lifelong slavery. The founder. And what's wonderful about this scripture, and it's beautiful scripture, uh, is when he says the founder. The founder uh, actually translates better here to champion. That Jesus is the champion of our salvation. What does this mean? 
let's look at David and Goliath for a moment. David and Goliath, um, each man represented their own armies. It wasn't the armies that were going out into the middle. Uh, it was actually just David and Goliath, right? Before David got there, they were trying to figure out who was going to go represent uh, the army in battle. And could you imagine the pressure? Imagine that pressure for a moment. You have to represent your whole army against a nine-foot giant. Someone who is four foot, four and a half foot taller than what you are. And if you lose, everybody loses. I don't know, for me, the just that pressure would scare me more than facing a giant. That the whole freedom of the country relies on me. And I like how nonchalant David makes it when he walks up and he's like, I'll do it. Give me my sling, give me my stones, I'll go out there and fight them. And this is this is what this is talking about. The winner would cause the rest of the people to be winners as well. The two armies didn't have to fight, just the two individuals. And Jesus is the true champion who faced death and fought it until he defeated it for us. Jesus Christ, for Christians, has already faced death and has destroyed its power, and it can only make us more glorious and more powerful. Death can only make you and I more glorious and more powerful. And what's amazing is Jesus taunted death. He said, O grave, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? He was taunting them. And you too can look at death the same way. I don't have to fear death. I don't have to worry about death. I don't have to, to fear what's going to happen because Jesus has removed the fear of death, the sting of death, the victory of death that you and I, because he conquered it, you and I can conquer it as well, that we don't have to fear it. Write this down. Write the three points down that we said. Put them somewhere where you can, can, can always be reminded. God always has a plan. There's a broken power. And we have a champion. When you feel like God's left you, when you feel like everything's gone wrong and you're wondering, God, where are you? Are you napping? Have you left us? Remember that God has a plan. And he's bringing resurrection out of death. That you don't have to fear. Because the power is broken. And it's not just the power of death. It's the power of fear. Power of anxiety. Power of uh, powers of this world. Jesus has broken that power. And you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. Because that power is broken. Because he's our champion. And because he's a champion. We have the victory. So I want to pray for you. I feel like this is a timely message because we've come out of three years where we've experienced a lot of death, seen a lot of people pass away. We've seen people pass away who, who feared death, was worried about death. And I've seen people the last three years 
who didn't lose a wink of sleep about dying because they knew they had hope. They knew that God was taking them somewhere so much glorious and so much wonderful. You can have that same assurance today. And that's by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do all the right things. You don't have to say the right things. You just have to believe that Jesus is who he is and that you can walk in that same victory that he has. And I'll pray with you today. Lord, we thank you uh, that, that, that there's always a plan. In the middle of my brokenness, you're in the mix. Oh God, you're in the mix with us. And no matter what we're going through, no matter how scary, intimidating, and fearful the situation is, oh God, you have a plan right in the mix of everything that's going on. And God, it doesn't matter what we're facing, you've already broken the power. God, whatever that power was, it was power of fear, power of death, uh, God, power of uh, God, issues that are going on, Lord, you have conquered them. But God, you haven't just conquered them. You've completely broken and shattered that power. And God, you are the champion. And because you live, I can face tomorrow. So God, I pray that we can hold on to this hope that we have in you, Jesus. And God, I pray for anyone who doesn't know you as Savior, God, they submit to you, God, and they make a plan today to follow you, to trust you, to love you, and God, to follow the words that you have for them in your word, God. And they can believe your promises that they're more than conquerors. Greater, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world, God. We can hold on to those promises, to God, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God, we know today that all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So God, right now, God, we cast away fear. We cast away anxiety. We cast away depression. And we walk in newness today, God. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. We don't have to, to, to live a fearful life because Jesus is our champion. And we're going to be praying with you. Why don't you send us a message? Let us know how we can pray with you. Let us know that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. We love y'all so much. We are thankful that each week you are coming back to be a part of this Together Church uh, online campus. We love y'all, and we will see you next Sunday.